Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. What a pleasure it is for me to read another of Margaret Mizushima's Timber Creek Canine Mysteries. I think it's my favorite yet, but I feel like I say that every time. Standing Dead is her nearest, newest book, and it is just so interesting in so many ways. Margaret, I don't know how you do that. what you do. I don't know where you get the ideas that you get. You, you just are like a layer cake full of inventiveness, of mysterious and fascinating ways in which people do terrible things to each other, and this wonderful dog saves the day. It's like, I feel like Lassie from when we were kids. It's like, you know, Robo will save the day. Where do you come up with these ideas? I know I, I ask you that from book to book. But in this case, there's a whole thing about accidental poisoning that is just riveting. Where did you come up with that? Oh, well, thank you so much, Tracy. And thank you so much for letting me be a guest on your show. And um, yes, boy, the accidental poisoning. Um, actually, this the type of poisoning used in Standing Dead on our victim um, is common in, in northern Colorado, especially um, in horses, because that type of... Um, hmm, element yes. or mineral, yes. I'm not quite sure which it is, is in the soil. Yes. And so um, horses can accidentally get poisoned, uh, typically chronically, but in standing dead, the horse accidentally gets poisoned in an acute manner, and so it's pretty dramatic. Um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, it was a great thing, and I discovered that particular poison by... Um, going to a workshop on um, poisons no. at a writing conference. No, so. you are kidding yeah. me. So you, <laughs> I thought, well, this must be because your husband is a veterinarian, and maybe he had encountered this poison in horses, in their water, or perhaps even from the soil, and you thought, ah, I know, I can use this, you know, in a nefarious way in a book. But you explain about this conference idea. I mean, there's so many people that are mystery writers or would like to be. I didn't know there were conferences where where you could get um, 
guidance in facts and and figures and and ideas of of what could drive a mystery. Oh, and your assumption about um, my husband encountering this poison in horses is completely correct. And uh, yes, it was in their feed. Um, And so, yeah, we used to live in northern Colorado, and and that uh, when when I discovered this poison being used on humans, um, it it was it resonated with me because I knew my husband had encountered it in horses. Oh, I'll um, be darned! There there are definitely some conferences around that are are highly focused on um, crime fiction, and uh, where I listened to this particular. Um, uh, presentation was in a workshop uh, that was done through Rocky Mountain Chapter of Mystery Writers of America. We have uh, workshops that we sponsor uh, pretty much monthly um, at our meetings. And so uh, the speakers are just wonderful, and, and that's where I heard about this particular poison. But the poison that I'll be using in Book 9, which is, <laughs> is started... <laughs> Oh, God, she doesn't quit. The Um, woman doesn't come up for air. Okay, this is amazing. Book nine. At uh, uh, BoucherCon, which is uh, um, a worldwide mystery conference. And uh, we meet once a year, and we have hundreds of people that show up, and they're readers as well as writers. So it's pretty interesting conference to attend if people love mysteries voucher con just look it up it's b-o-u-c-h-e-r-c-o-n look it up online and there you go hopefully we'll meet there someday what how cool is that that there's a whole subculture of people who write mysteries but people who love mysteries and they come together to further enliven enrich and uh, i guess expand what they know and ideas that they have. Has anyone ever come over to you at a conference and said, oh, I want to give you this great idea that I've been saving for you? Has that ever happened? Well, it has. And um, not just at conferences, but sometimes at book signings or just, you know, meeting people. Um, They do share ideas with me. Be careful. I don't know what happens in the mystery writing world between covers, but in Hollywood, uh, people always hold up their hand and say, don't give me any ideas. Don't give me a piece of paper with something on it because you're going to turn around and sue me later and say it was I, my idea. I love that. Yes, Tracy, I think that's excellent advice. And to be honest, um, I, my husband and I come up with our ideas together because it always needs to be something that has to do with animals That's right. and some, something that has to do with a crime against humans. And so, um, yeah, typically we just come up with our ideas together. Oh, well, it's so great that you have him to, to, to mine for ideas, but also to bounce ideas off of, because the yeah. veterinarian in the book is a wonderful character and, you know, the kind of vet everybody would want, just so dedicated to his work and, you know, works past exhaustion and very smart in figuring out what's wrong, whether it's with the horses or with dogs, depending on on what what has befallen any of them. Before we go further in in the genesis of the ideas and and 
how you mine the landscape of your life. I'd love to have you read a, a passage from Standing Dead because it's very spooky. I mean, there is someone out there taunting, taunting, and and it, it it's very different from your other books. It's very spooky. I mean, I was really quite spooked by it. I was actually dr- flying to and staying <laughs> over and then flying back from VMX, the big veterinary conference, which is somewhat coincidental since veterinarians figure largely in your life and in the book. But it was mm-hmm. definitely wonderfully spooky. So tell a little bit about about those, uh, call them ransom notes. They're not exactly ransom notes, but explain how, yeah. how you set it in yeah. motion. Well, I think the, uh, the word you use, taunting, is really great um, because Maddie, the protagonist in the book, is being taunted by um, someone who signs these notes, a friend of your father's. Yes. And Maddie is um, very focused in this book on trying to solve her father's cold case from about 30 years prior to the time uh, in this book. Um, so I'd love to read just a little excerpt, and I'll do a setup. Um, Maddie has come home from Mexico, where she tried to meet with her mother to get her mother uh, to agree to talk to a new cold case detective in San Diego. And when she gets there, she finds that her mother has disappeared without a trace. So she comes home to Timber Creek pretty exhausted, and this is the note she finds pinned to her front door. Dear Maddie, you'll find him among the standing dead west of the Shadow Ridge Campground Corral. Until we meet again, a friend of your father's. So I will then jump to an excerpt where Maddie has just put on... um, She knows she must go look for whoever this person is, even though she has no idea who it is, because it's the middle of winter and it's very uh, freezing up in the high country, and so she doesn't want some person to be out there lost or whatever. So she and the investigative team from the sheriff's department go up to the wilderness area where they've pinpointed they should look. And she's just put on night vision goggles, and Deputy Brody is with her as backup, and she has her dog Robo with her, who is a uh, black and tan German shepherd. Um, When she looked down at Robo, Robo, his black shape and tan markings were clearly delineated. Tufts of grass, rocks, and ruts underfoot were also clearly visible, and here and there she noticed a disturbance in the terrain, a slight flattening of the grass. This would be a good spot to start, a place to see if Robo picked up human scent. She removed the short leash from Robo's collar and tucked it back into place on her belt. She exchanged it for a longer one, which she clipped to the ring at the back of his search harness. Then she began to talk, the talk they both knew so well, meant to rev up his prey drive enough to sustain him through a long search. Are you ready to work, bud? Do you want to find someone? She continued the chatter, patting him firmly on his side until he gazed up at her, rising on his hind feet beside her in a pirouette. Okay, boy, let's find someone. Search. 
Robo had been taught to search for people several different ways. If Maddie had an article of clothing or something bearing the scent of a specific person, she could give him a whiff of it, and he would search for that scent alone. If there was no scent article, but she knew where a scent trail started, such as when a person had left a parked car, she could direct his nose to the ground and ask him to pick up the tracks that way. Or, as in this case, if she was unsure where a track started, she would direct him into an area and he would quarter the ground, sweeping back and forth until he picked up the freshest scent trail of a human that he could find and start following it. Robo put his nose to the ground and started sniffing along the edge of the forest where she indicated he dodged around bushes, giving them a cursory sniff as he went. Maddie stayed close, tethered her dog to her dog by the leash, but keeping it loose between the two of them. Brody remained close by, standing still and waiting for Robo to strike out in a definite direction. In cases like these, the start of a track was always the unknown factor. Was Robo picking up the scent midway? Was the track coming or going? Which way should she encourage him to go? And if he found a human scent track, did it even belong to the human they were looking for? But if there was one thing she'd learned in the last year and a half, it was to stand back and let her dog work. Searching for a human was different from searching for evidence. When searching for an unknown person, it was best to let him sort through the scents on his own and pick up a track if one was available. As they reached the north side of the corral closest to the road, Robo paused and worked the ground. He sneezed as he poked his nose into the winter brown grass, but continued to sniff it thoroughly. She studied him, looking for signs that he was onto something. His ears pricked, and he advanced slowly, lifting one front foot and pausing as he sniffed. She could imagine those millions of sense cells in his nose and mucous membranes charging and firing as he cataloged each layer of scent, the earthy smell of the dirt, the dusty winter vegetation, the trail of rabbits or other wildlife. It was his job to ignore all that and search for human scent alone. He lowered his foot to the ground, inching forward a few steps. Finally, he moved westward to the edge of the tree, sweeping his head side to side as he walked, increasing his momentum as he locked onto the track. When he surged forward, Maddie's adrenaline started to rise. He'd found a scent. You you paint such a great picture because it's really quite extraordinary what Robo and any dog trained the way he is can make decisions, and the people have to trust those decisions. There's so much information out there that he has to parse through it all and come up with something of value. And, you know, I took a deep breath while listening to you and while reading it, thinking, is he going to find the right thing, or is he going to find the person, you know, who went in the woods to have a pee? I mean, you just don't know. And and he does does know something because he's very good at finding whatever the the remains are that that humans have left behind first scent yeah. and then maybe bodies or something else i think the title is particularly great because it refers to a die off of a lot of trees so there are a lot of standing dead trees in this particular forest but there's also other dead things there as well we might add yes yes 
we might. The other thing that's yeah. wonderful is the bringing in of the Mexican uh, escape of of her mother from so many years before living in a small town in Mexico, as some people have done just to retire from the United States, not to be on the lam. And she's not on the lam because she was a bad guy. She's on the lam because possibly her her late husband was a bad guy and she knows she could be a target so you send right. them into this small mexican village and again it's very spooky and very oh my god around any corner could be lots of bad guys and she's out of her element but she has the courage to go there and look it's it's a wonderful book margaret it it weaves oh, together so many you. things and also this long ago dealings of her father which have not been clear and he was up to no good and it's interesting to have a heroine whose father was not a hero whose father put Mm -hmm. the whole family in some pretty serious jeopardy and have her be working on that old case while working on the new case which is this poisoned water and it didn't seem to have happened accidentally but mm-hmm. the veterinarian's mm-hmm. part of unlocking that mystery. So there's many mm-hmm. good minds at work in this book, and I think yours is the best mind of them all to have brought all these elements of stories together and have them track alongside each other while Robo was well, doing the dog tracking. It's a great combination. Well, Tracy, thank you so much, and you have done a marvelous job of talking about the subplots and how they're woven together. So thank you very much for reading this book. I loved it. It made my trip twice as interesting and and has me really quite fascinated to know what you're going to come up with on book nine. But right now we're going to focus and end on the note of Standing Dead, which is a chilling and fascinating mystery, a Timber Creek canine mystery. Margaret Mizushima has done it again, standing up for all the great people rescuers and searchers with their dogs. Thank you again, Margaret. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support all of these companies because they stand behind my mission, which is to bring you delightfully informative Pet Talk Radio. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide chews and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Weimaraner Maisie will eat. I'm very grateful also to Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two extraordinary women, Allison and Hannah, who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.